بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله رب العالمين والصلاة والسلام على عبد الله ورسوله نبينا محمد وعلى آله وصحبه أجمعين أما بعد. So we have a new name from among the names of Allah Azza wa Jal to do today and that is Al-Fattah. And uh, this name personally I really, I mean, I love all of the names of Allah. But this name, particularly for me, is it's a very, very interesting and really amazing name from the names of Allah Azza wa Jal, Al-Fattah. And as usual, we begin by looking at where this name is mentioned in the Qur'an. So it's mentioned in two or the name itself, and you can say, uh, is mentioned in one place, and reference to the name is mentioned in two further places in the Quran. So, as for the name itself, it is mentioned in Surah Saba, which is Surah number 34, Ayah number 26. Allah Azza wa Jal said, "Qul yajma'u bainana Rabbuna thumma yaftahu bainana bilhaq." وَهُوَ الْفَتَّاحُ الْعَلِيمُ Say our Lord will gather us together. يَجْمَعُ بَيْنَنَا He will gather us all together. ثُمَّ يَفْتَحُ بَيْنَنَا بِالْحَقِّ Then He will, perhaps the best word for it here is He will distinguish between us. Literally He will open up a gap between us. I, he will put one group in one place and one group in another place. But I think the right, the, probably the best word for it here is to distinguish. He will distinguish between us in truth and he is Al-Fattah Al-Alim. Al-Alim being the all-knowing. Al-Fattah, we will come to a translation for it in a moment. And Allah Azza wa Jal said in Surah Al-A'raf, وَسِعَ رَبُّنَا كُلَّ شَيْءٍ عِلْمًا Our Lord has encompassed everything with His knowledge. عَلَى اللَّهِ تَوَكَّلْنَا Upon Allah we rely. رَبَّنَا افْتَحْ بَيْنَنَا وَبَيْنَ قَوْمِنَا بِالْحَقِّ وَأَنْتَ خَيْرُ الْفَاتِحِينَ O Allah, open up. Or you can say, distinguish or separate or even judge between us and our people in truth. And you are the best of Al-Fatihin, the best of those people who either they judge or they distinguish between the truth and the falsehood, or they open up the doors which are closed. I and mean, these are all meanings that we can come to in a moment. The Shaykh, he said, the meaning of this name is the one who judges between his servants with whatever he wishes and decrees for them whatever he wills and blesses whoever he wishes from them with whatever he wills. So there is nobody who can repel his judgment. Nor is there anyone who can criticize his decree or who can follow up 
after his decree. There is nobody who can have an opinion or can have, an, have a judgment after his decree. And his command, Allah Azza wa Jal said in Surah Fatir, ayah number two, ما يفتح الله للناس من رحمة فلا ممسك لها وما يمسك فلا مرسل له فلا مرسل له من بعده وهو العزيز الحكيم. Whatever Allah opens from His mercy, there is nobody that can hold that back. And whatever He holds back, there is nobody after Him that can let that go. And he is Al-Azizul Hakim. So we had some different meanings of Fataha here, or because the word Fatah, it comes from the Arabic word Fataha Yaftahu, to open up. So Fatah is the one who is always opening up. Always opening up. And he Yaftahu. Always Yaftah, 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 Fatah. But what does it mean, yaftah? It has lots of meanings. Of course, yaftah can mean to open. But likewise, here often it's used to mean to judge. And it's also used to mean to distinguish. So the general meaning is the one who judges between his servants with whatever he wills and decrees whatever he wants. And he blesses whoever he wants with whatever he wants. So there is nobody that can repel his judgment there is nobody that can criticize or can come after his decree and challenge his decree and likewise there is nobody that can oppose his command subhanahu wa ta'ala so whatever Allah opens from his mercy i.e. whatever he blesses servants with from his mercy whatever doors of mercy he opens for them nobody can hold those back and whatever he holds back, nobody can bestow it. So this is part of the meaning of Al-Fattah. The one who when he opens for you a door of mercy, there is nobody that can close it. And if he closes you that door, there is nobody after him that can open it for you. And he is the best of Al-Fatihin. The best of those people who, or the best of those who, open and the best of those who judge or the best of those who distinguish or the best of those who give or the best of those who bless so we'll continue ibn al-qayyim rahimahullah ta'ala he said in his nuniyya in explaining this name and its meaning he said and i'll do my best with the poetry وَكَذَلِكَ الْفَتَّاحُ مِنْ أَسْمَائِهِ وَالْفَتْحُ فِي أَوْصَافِهِ أَمْرَانِ فَتْحٌ بِحُكْمٍ وَهُوَ شَرْعُ إِلَاهِنَا وَالْفَتْحُ بِالْأَقْدَارِ فَتْحٌ ثَانِي وَالْرَبُّ فَتَّاحٌ بِذَيْنِ, كل بذين كِلَيْهِمَا عَدْلًا وَإِحْسَانًا مِنَ الرَّحْمَانِ Now that's my best attempt at that, that was without the Forgive me if I made a mistake in it, but that's roughly what Ibn al-Qayyim said. He said, وَكَذَلِكَ الْفَتَّاحُ مِنْ أَسْمَائِ in Also, al-fattah is from his names. وَالْفَتْحُ فِي أَوْصَافِهِ أَمْرَانِ And the meaning of fatah, 
Because fatah means fatah, opening up. The meaning of opening up with regard to Allah's awsaf, Allah's characteristics, Allah's attributes is two things. So Ibn al-Qayyim is telling you the meaning of fatah in al-fatah is two different things. Because didn't we say that every name has an attribute? And there are, we said, in every name has an associated attribute. And the attribute of al-fatah is al-fatah. And al-fatah with regard to Allah means two things. First of all, fatahun bihukmin wa huwa shar'u ilahina. The ruling or the, the legislation, the judgment that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has opened or has, you can say, revealed or has bestowed or has decreed. And it is the shara', it is the sharia of our, of our God. Our, the sharia of our God, the sharia of our ilah, this is one meaning of al-fatah. So one meaning of al-fatah is the one who bestowed the sharia, the one who bestowed the laws of Islam and opened up the hearts of his servants to receive those, those laws and that legislation. And as for the second type of opening up, then this type of opening up is the fatah of Al-Qadr. That Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala decrees whatever He wants for whoever He wants. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala opens up the doors when all of the doors are, are closed. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala decrees for someone what nobody can withhold. And He withholds for someone what nobody can decree. So this is the second type of Al-Fatih. The second type of opening. And Allah is al-fatah with both of these two things. Adlan wa ihsanan min rahmani Out of justice. And ihsan is more than justice. Because justice is where you give everyone what they are due. And ihsan is where you excel beyond what people are due. Yani the one who gives you even more than you are due. So al-fatah indicates the justice of Allah. And it indicates the excellence of Allah. That Allah is bestowing upon us more than we deserve. And he says, uh, the Shaykh says, the author says, he said that as Shaykh Abdurrahman bin Sa'di rahimahullah ta'ala said in his explanation of these lines of poetry. He said, so the one who is al-fatah, he is the judge. He is al-hakam. He is the judge. Al-muhsin. The one who constantly gives you more than you deserve. Al-jawad. The one who is the most generous and the most giving. And his fatah. In this fatah, and fatah has lots of meanings in Arabic. I mean, it can mean victory, it can mean overcoming, it can mean opening, it can mean judging, it can mean bestowing. So, he said, this fatah from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is of two types. 
One is a fath by his religious law and his reward. His religious law and his reward. And the second by his qadr. So the first is with his religion and his reward. And the second is with regard to his qadr. So he said, as for the fath, which relates to his religion, it is his sharia, which he revealed upon the tongues of his messengers, everything which the slaves and servants need, and every means by which they could stand upon the sirat al-mustaqim. And every way that the servants of Allah could be upon the sirat al-mustaqim, that Allah Azza wa Jal bestowed to His messengers that they conveyed to us, then this is part of the meaning, this is one half of the meaning of Al-Fatah. The one who opened up for us Islamic legislation and gave it to the messengers and allowed them to convey it to us. So this is one part. This is one part. As for his jaza, which is the second part, his reward, which is the second part of this, then this is the fact that he opened up and distinguished between his messengers and those people who opposed them, and between his awliya and their enemies. By honoring the prophets and those who followed them and by saving them and by destroying and disgracing their enemies and by punishing them. So remember that Al-Imam Al-Sa'di here, Al-Imam Al-Sa'di is dividing Al-Fatih into two things. Religious Fatih, Fatih that relates to religion, and a Fatih which relates to Qadr. So the Fatih which relates to religion is of two parts. The first part is his legislation that he revealed to his servants, to the messengers, and everything they needed in the sharia. This is a fatih, a victory from Allah, and an opening from Allah, that Allah opened up a way to give this sharia to his messengers and for them to convey it to us. And the second part of that first category is his jaza, his reward, which is that he broke up between the prophets and between those people who opposed them. And he broke up between the enemies of Allah and between his awliya. And he made a gap between them. And he gave victory to those prophets over their enemies. And victory to those awliya over those who opposed them. And this is a fatih. Because a victory in Arabic, where you're given victory over your enemies. And where there is a distinguish, you know, and that's why perhaps it's called a fatah, because it distinguishes the victor from the one who has been conquered. And the one who is victorious over the one who has been defeated. So when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala did this with his prophets and his messengers, that he made them victorious over their enemies, and he made them different, distinguished between the difference between him and between them and between their enemies, then this is Al-Fatih. And this is a part of the first one, Al-Fatih al-Dini, the religious victory and the religious, we can say opening if that's the right word.
And likewise, his judging on the day of judgment and his distinguishing between his creation on the day of judgment. This is part of his jaza, part of his reward. That on the day of judgment, Allah Azza wa Jal will distinguish. Allah Azza wa Jal will distinguish between those people who followed his religion and those people who didn't. So on that day, there is another meaning of Al-Fattah. That Allah Azza wa Jal will distinguish and will separate on the day of judgment between those people who believed and those people who did not believe. And he will judge injustice between his creation when he gives every single person who did an action the reward of the action that they did. So this is still Al-Imam Al-Sa'di explaining. He continues to talk about the second type. So remember the first type is the religious Fatih, the religious, you can say, judging, ruling, victory, whatever you want to call it. I'm just going to call it Fatih because there just isn't a good enough word for it in English. The religious Fatih is that of revealing the Sharia and distinguishing between the messengers and those who oppose them and judging on the day of judgment between those people who believed and those who disbelieved. The second kind of Fatih is Al-Fatih Al-Qadari. The Fatih that relates to his Qadr and his Qada, that relates to his decree. So he is the one who decrees for his servants what is good and what is bad, and what is, what is beneficial and what is harmful. And he is the one who gives and he is the one who withholds. And Allah said, مَا يَفْتَحِ اللَّهُ لِلنَّاسِ مِنْ رَحْمَةٍ فَلَا مُمْسِكَ لَهَا And we mentioned the ayah before. Whatever Allah opens up to the people of His mercy, there is nobody that can withhold it. So the Lord, exalted is He, is Al-Fattah Al-Alim. He is the one, is Al-Fattah, the one who is constantly doing this. Judging, distinguishing, decreeing, giving, withholding, giving victory, Showing the difference between the enemies of Islam and the followers of Islam. So he is Al-Fattah, Al-Alim. The one who, opes, who opens up for his obedient servants. The depositories of his generosity and of his honor. And he, all of the good things that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has from his jud, from his generosity and his kindness that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has, all of those depositories are opened up for his believing servants. And he opens up between, and he opens up for his servants this, and for his enemies the opposite of this. So even for his enemies he is Al-Fattah. Even for his enemies he is Al-Fattah. Because he is still opening up. But he's not opening for them the doors of his mercy, and the depositories of his generosity and his kindness, instead he's opening up the opposite of that. Restriction and problems and suffering and difficulties, and more so even in the hereafter. That Allah is opening this, and this is by two things, by his fadl and his adl. And this shows you the knowledge of Imam Al-Sa'di rahimahullah ta'ala that he said, bi wa adli. Because a person may say, 
on what basis is Allah opening this path for one and this path for another? The answer is by his virtue and by his justice. By his virtue and by his justice. So by his virtue, he's giving you more than you deserve. And by his justice, he never oppresses anybody. So whoever he opens for them a restriction and a problem, then he does so out of justice. And whoever he opens for them out of his mercy, then he does so not because they deserve it, but because he is giving them more than they deserve. Subhanahu wa ta'ala. And he also said, and he also, Imam Sa'di, rahimahullah ta'ala, he said, Al-Fattah has two meanings. The first one returns to the meaning of Al-Hukm, judging. The one who judges between his servants. He judges between them with his sharia. And he judges between them by giving reward to those who obey him and punishment to those who disobey him in the dunya and the akhirah. And then he quoted the two ayat that we quoted at the beginning. So the first ayah, قُلْ يَجْمَعُ بَيْنَنَا رَبُّنَا ثُمَّ يَفْتَحُ بَيْنَنَا بِالْحَقِّ وَهُوَ الْفَتَّاحُ الْعَلِيمُ He said, the first ayah is judging between the servants on the day of judgment. And this is in the dunya by him giving victory to the truth and its people and disgracing falsehood and its people and causing any the punishments to happen to those people of falsehood. It's a very comprehensive name. So they say, he said the first ayah that our Lord gathers us together, then he will distinguish between us in truth. This is his judgment between the servants on the day of judgment. And also in the dunya, it refers to the fact that Allah will give victory to the truth. So one of the meanings of Al-Fattah is that Allah will give victory to the truth and that Allah will give disgrace to the falsehood. As for the second ayah, that is, in Surah Al-A'raf, which we recited earlier as well, he said, the second, and he said the second meaning, sorry, not the second ayah. As for the second meaning, it is to open up for his servants all of the doors of good. And the second meaning of Al-Fattah. To open up for his servants all of the doors of good. And he quoted the ayah about the mercy of Allah. Then he said, he opens up for his servants everything which benefits them in the dunya and the deen. He opens up to them what they need out of his softness, his kindness and his concern for them. He opens up the, the locks that are on the heart. In a person's heart can be completely locked, completely sealed. And yet Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala opens his heart to Islam when maybe he didn't do anything to, well for sure he didn't do anything to deserve such a great blessing. But out of the mercy and the grace of Allah, Allah opened up his heart to Islam when he did not know what Islam was. Then he said, and he allows this heart to come to know its Lord 
and to come to know Iman and to come to know what will correct its situation and what will bring it upon the Sirat al-Mustaqeem. So all of this is from the name of Al-Fatah that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala opens up the hearts to guide them for what will help them in the dunya and the deen and to guide them to that which will allow them to know their Lord and to know Iman and that which will correct their situation and that which will allow them to stay firm upon the Sirat al-Mustaqeem. And more than this, more specific than this, he opens up and he opens up the love of him and the desire to turn to him And he opens up knowledge of him and a light and understanding and a true, you know, taste for the truth. It's very hard to translate. It's very poetic the way that he said, but this is roughly the translation. And he opens up a, a true taste, a desire, a burning desire to, to, to taste the truth. Because once you taste the truth, it's like, tasting very sweet honey you just want to taste more and more when you taste the truth so Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala opens up that and Allah azza wa jal opens up for his servants the doors of provision all of the rizq that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala opens for you and the ways to achieve it and he provides for the muttaqeen from the different types of provision and from all of the causes of that provision, everything which they need. And he gives those who rely upon him more than they ask for and more than they would ever hope for. And he makes easy for them every difficulty. And this for me is one of the major meanings of Al-Fatah. When all the doors are closed and you do not find any way out, you cannot find any way out of your problem, then Allah is Al-Fatah, the one who opens up the door when the doors are closed. The one who gives you a way out when there is no way out. The one who makes easy for you something that was previously difficult for you. And he opens up for them the doors that were previously closed. Uh, this is all found in uh, the book of Al-Allama uh, Al-Sa'di, Fath al-Rahim Al-Malik Al-Allam. And uh, many, many, many of the scholars, and Sheikh Abdul Razak made a note in this. Have you noticed how many of the scholars begin their book titles in Arabic with Fath? Fath al-Bari, you know, uh, loads and loads of books that are called Fatah in Arabic. Yani, what does this word mean, Fatah? Yani, what does this word mean, Fatah? Yani, Fatah al-Bari. Al-Bari is Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. But what does it mean, Fatah al-Bari? That this is something that Allah azza wa jal opened my heart to be able to do. It's a gift from Him. It's a victory from Him. It's a inspiration from him that he opened my heart to be able to do this and that is why so many of the scholars named their books Fatah Fatah 
Because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala opens up your heart. The doors were closed. You did not hope you could write something like this. You did not hope you would be able to understand matters like this. Then Allah Azzawajal opened up your heart to understand what you couldn't understand before. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala opened you to a spiritual level that you couldn't reach before. And Allah Azzawajal gave you more than you asked for and more than you hoped and more than you dreamed for. And Allah made easy what was previously difficult. And Allah opened the doors that were closed. And for that reason, they called their books Fatih. Like Fatih al-Majid, the explanation of Kitab al-Tawheed, and many, many, many books you'll find. One of the most common beginnings of a title of a book is Fatih, followed by one of the names of Allah. Fatih al-Rahman, Fatih al-Majid, Fatih al-Bari. Here, Fatih al-Rahim. Sheikh al-Allam al-Sa'di has a book called Fatih al-Rahim. That Allah opened up me to be able to do something that I never imagined I would be able to do and gave me a gift to be able to understand and gave me more than I hoped for and made easy what was difficult and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala opened the doors that were previously closed to me. The Shaykh continues, for this reason that the messengers of Allah used to turn to Allah with the request of Al-Fatih. They used to ask Allah for Al-Fatih between them and their people. And between them and those people who were fighting with them and disagreeing with them. They asked for Allah Azza wa Jal to open up between them. Yani to make a disti- to distinguish between them. To give victory to those who were deserving of it. And to give a loss and to be, you know, to give disgrace to those people who were deserving of it. And the Shaykh goes on to mention some of the ayat. So he said, Nuh alayhi salam, Allah Azza wa Jal tells us about Nuh, that Nuh said, Qala Rabbi inna qawmi He said, My Lord, my people have denied me. Faftah bayni wa baynahum. So, fatah, yani, open up or distinguish or give me victory. All of these are, are valid meanings. فَافْتَحْ بَيْنِي وَبَيْنَهُمْ فَتْحًا وَنَجِّنِي وَمَنْ مَعِيَ مِنَ الْمُؤْمِنِينَ And save me and those who are with me from the believers. So this event that happened of the destruction of the people of Nuh was the response of the dua for Allah to make a fatah, to, to, to open up a gap to show distinguish to distinguish Nuh and those who believed over the, the ones who disbelieved to give them victory and so on. And likewise in the dua of Shu'ib, Our Lord, distinguish between me or between us and between our people in truth. And you are the best of those who distinguish. Or the best of those who judge. And with regard in uh, in uh, Surah Ibrahim, And they sought Allah's victory. They sought Al-Fatih from Allah. They sought, they sought victory from Allah over their people. 
And in that case, every single tyrant and every single open rejecter was disgraced. Allah disgraced them when they asked for, the prophets asked for Al-Fatih. Oh Allah, give us victory. Oh Allah, distinguish between us and our people. And so Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala destroyed all of the tyrants and Allah azza wa destroyed all of the people who were obstinate. And some of the scholars of tafsir gave a different interpretation for this. They said, وَاسْتَفْتَحُوا doesn't mean the prophets. It means the people themselves said they did not believe in Allah and they said, Oh Allah, if you're going to do something to us, go on, bring Al-Fatih, bring your victory if you're going to bring it. And so there are two opinions regarding this ayah. And if you've been paying attention this morning, those of you who came, and you will see that these two opinions are also not themselves contradictory. I mean, the, the tafsir is open for both. One is the option that the prophets sought victory and Allah destroyed the disbelievers. And one is that the disbelievers themselves sought victory for the prophets. And they said, like is mentioned many times in the Quran, Bring us if what you've promised you're going to bring us. If you're going to bring us a punishment, come on then, okay, bring it. Bring it for us. Meaning that they quickly sought to bring the, the judgment of Allah and for Allah to make Al-Furqan the distinguishing between his awliya and between his enemies. Ibn Kathir rahimahullah ta'ala said, and this is very important for those people who, who studied with me this morning. Ibn Kathir said, وَيَحْتَمِلُ أَنْ يَكُونَ هَذَا مُرَادًا وَهَذَا مُرَادًا And it's perfectly possible that this is the intended meaning and this is also the intended meaning. I.e. that both of these are not contradictory because both of them happened. We know those prophets like Shu'aib asked Allah to give them victory and to break up between them and their people. And we know the people themselves said to Shu'aib, bring us what, if, if you are truthful, bring it. فَأْتِنَا بِمَا تَعِدُنَا Bring us, if you have, you have promised us Allah is going to destroy us, go and bring what you have promised. And the people of Salih, and the people of Ad, and Thamud, and all of the, you know, and so on and so All of these people said the same thing. They said, go and bring it to us. Bring us what you have promised us. So in, in reality, both of these tafasir are correct. The people sought to bring the fath of Allah upon themselves. And they said, okay, if you're going to judge between us, if you're going to show who's right and who's wrong, go and show us. And the prophets also sought to bring the fath of Allah, the victory of Allah, and Allah to open them a way to, to distinguish between them and between their followers. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala responded to the dua of his messengers, alayhim salawatullahi wa salam, wa salam, by opening between them and, and distinguishing between them and their people in justice. So his command came to give victory to his messengers, alayhim salam, and the believers who were with him, and to destroy his enemies from the disbelievers and the oppressors, and those who crossed all boundaries. And that is part of the meaning of al-fatih. And from the fatih of Allah, from the fatih of Allah, the, the opening of Allah, is his judgment between his servants on the day of judgment. In that which they used to differ, as Allah said, 
قل يجمع بيننا ربنا ثم يفتح بيننا بالحق وهو الفتاح العليم that he will judge between us a judgment that will distinguish the truthful person from the liar and the one who is deserving from the one who is upon falsehood and the one who deserves reward from the one who deserves punishment and that is why Allah named the Yawm Al-Qiyamah Yawm Al-Fatih and from the names of Yawm Al-Qiyamah is that Yawm Al-Qiyamah is Yawm Al-Fatih I would say probably one good translation for this in English would be the day of distinguishing and the day when it will become clear the difference between the believers and the disbelievers and the day Yawm Al-Fatih is also the day of judgment because Fatih is also judgment but what is the difference between Al-Fatih and for example Ad-Deen or um, something like that Al-Fatih is not just judgment it is to distinguish between those who are truthful and those who are false by judging between them so it is called Yawm Al-Fatih as Allah said قُلْ يَوْمَ الْفَتْحِ لَا يَنْفَعُ الَّذِينَ كَفَرُوا إِيمَانُهُمْ وَلَا هُمْ يُنْظَرُونَ In Surah Al-Sajda, ayah number 29. See, on the day of Al-Fatih, those people who disbelieve their iman will not benefit them. And they will not be given any respite. Meaning on the day of judgment, they will be given the punishment that has come as a result of the judgment from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And they will not be given any opportunity to go back or any chance to go back and change after Allah has distinguished between the believers and the disbelievers. So again now the Shaykh comes on to his usual third section of the, of, the, of the chapter where he talks about what this means for us. How should we implement and how should we act upon this? So he said, the iman of the servant that his Lord is Al-Fattah requires him Number one, he said, Husn tawajjuhin ilallahi wahda. And turning to Allah alone. And sincerely turning yourself to Allah alone. Because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is the only one who can open up for you the doors of guidance and the doors of rizq and the doors of mercy. Every one of us, and he is running around on the face of this earth looking for guidance and rizq any money and provision and status and wealth and children and any uh, mercy from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So when you know that Allah is Al-Fattah, the only person you look for that rizq from is Allah. And the only person you look for, or the only one you look for that hidayah from is Allah. The only one you look for that rizq from is Allah. The only one that you look for that mercy from is Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So it requires you to turn yourself to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and to ask Allah azza wa jal to open up your heart. Because Al-Fattah is the one who opens the hearts. To open up your heart and to make your chest expand. You know, I think this is a really beautiful description. I love this word in Arabic. Sharh al-Sadr. Because in, in English we don't have a word for it properly. We say to expand your chest. But... That's how it feels when Allah guides you. When Allah doesn't guide you, it feels like somebody is squeezing you. 
It feels like somebody has got and put their hands around you and they're squeezing you really hard. You can't breathe. And when Allah opens up rizq for you and opens up mercy and hidayah for you, it feels like somebody relieved the pressure from your chest. And this is the meaning of sharh al-sadr, like in the statement of Allah sadrak. Didn't we expand? And didn't we make you able to breathe? And you, you felt like the weight came away from your chest, the pressure came away from your chest. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is the one who opens a person's heart to good. Like Allah Azza wa Jal said in Surah Az-Zumar, أَفَمَنْ شَرَحَ اللَّهُ صَدَرَهُ لِلْإِسْلَامِ فَهُوَ عَلَى نُورٍ مِّن رَبِّهِ فَوَيْلٌ لِلْقَاسِيَةِ قُلُوبُهُمْ مِّن ذِكْرِ اللَّهِ أُولَٰئِكَ فِي ضَلَالٍ مُّبِينٍ Allah Azza wa Jal said in this 22nd ayah of Surah Az-Zumar, as for the one who Allah has opened up his chest and he opened up his heart for Islam. So he is upon a light from his Lord. So woe to those whose hearts are hard from remem- not remembering Allah. Their hearts are so far away from the remembrance of Allah that their hearts have become hard. They are the ones who are in plain misguidance. Al-Qurtubi Rahimullah uh, Ta'ala, he said, uh, I presume in his, uh, no, not in his tafsir, he said uh, in his explanation of the names of Allah Azza wa Jal. He said, Al Qurtubi Rahimullah, this fatah, this opening of the heart, and this sharh, this expansion of the heart and the chest, has no limit to it. Every single believer has taken his share of it. The prophets took the greatest share, and they took the highest share of opening their heart to Iman and Islam and Hidayah. They, they took the greatest share. Then the awliya took their share. Then the ulama took their share. And the, the beloved of Allah and the scholars took their share. Then the regular believers took their share. And Allah did not prevent anyone from it except for the disbelievers. And the disbelievers are the ones who Allah made their hearts truly hard away from the remembrance of Allah. So woe to those people. Woe to those people whose hearts became hard because they didn't remember Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. They are upon clear misguidance. And in Sahih Muslim, from Abi Humaid or Abi Usaid, both of them, any radiallahu anhum. He said that the Messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said, When one of you enters the masjid, let him say, Allahumma ftahli abwaaba rahmatik. O Allah, open for me the doors of your mercy. And if he leaves, wa kharaja falyakul. Allahumma inni as'aluka min fadlik. O Allah, I ask you from your grace. Because mercy and grace and good, all of it are in the hands of Allah. He opens them up for whoever He wants and He makes them easy for whoever He wants. So every single thing that has been made easy for you, every mercy and every grace that has been made easy for you, this is from the effects of this name of Allah and what it means. And every blessing you've ever been given in your life, every good that has ever happened to you, every grace that has ever happened to you is from the effects of this name Al-Fattah. 
It's from the effects of this name, Al-Fatah. And the Shaykh concludes by saying, uh, and we ask Allah, and we make tawassul to Him with this great name, and we make dua to Him by it, because He is Al-Fatah, and He is Khayrul Fatihin, the best of those who distinguish, and the best of those who judge, and the best of those who bestow, to open up our hearts to Iman, to true Iman, and to complete guidance, and to firm certainty, and that to open up for us the depositories of His mercy, and His generosity, and His huge, uh, the good that He does to us, His huge, the gifts of good that He does to us, and the virtue that He does to us, and the blessings and the mercy that He bestows upon us, and indeed He is Sami'un Mujib. So I think this is a name that, you know, for me personally, I find it to be one of the names that I frequently remember. And I try to remember as many as I can, but this is a name that is frequently in my head. Because wallahi, all of us are in desperate need of the fatah of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. To open our hearts to iman, to open our hearts to guidance, to open up our hearts to rizq to open up ourselves to get you know what we need in terms of the dunya for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala sometimes you feel like every door is closed and there is no way to do anything and you remember that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is al-fattah the one who opens up whatever and he, you, you wish for him to open and from his mercy from his grace from his guidance from his bounty and the one who judges with his sharia the one who judges by his qadr the one who decrees the difference between his messengers and between the believers and those who oppose them, all of these are from the meaning. So it's a very, very comprehensive meaning and a very thorough meaning. And inshallah, we'll conclude there. And bi ta'ala, we have the name As-Sami' to do next time. What I will do is take a couple of questions that we had outstanding. Okay, this is a nice question. This is not related to the topic, but just sometimes I try to get rid of the questions because this, and they come in too many and then I forget to do them. So, where should we draw a line in attaching ourselves to this dunya? This is a question I might have answered last time, but I think it's, it's important to start here and then I'll continue onwards. I like this question a lot. Ultimately, this dunya does not have any significance to Allah Azza wa Jal in of itself. Any, the only significance here is whatever you put forward for the akhirah. And ideally, you want to only take from the dunya what you need to benefit you in the akhirah. And alhamdulillah, Allah Azza wa Jal has not made the dunya haram. Because if Allah had made the dunya haram, like the monks made the dunya haram for themselves. You remember the monks, they made the dunya haram for themselves. Um, uh, yani a monasticism yani They locked themselves in monasteries And they forbade themselves to marry And they forbade themselves from the dunya They made it as a bid'ah This was nothing This Allah did not tell them to do this They invented this themselves They, did not, they were not told to, to lock themselves in monasteries And forbid themselves from marrying If we were like this If we had, had to have this It would be very hard for us but Allah Azza wa has not made the dunya haram. He has made parts of the dunya haram that are no good. And He has made parts of the dunya permissible. And of that which is permissible, you take what you need to help you in your religion. So you need a house to cover your head. Because inshallah this will 
give you some comfort and inshallah it will allow you to study hard and work hard and learn about Islam and maybe you could shelter somebody in need or you could invite a guest and give them food so this is something praiseworthy in Islam Allah has not any forbidden you from it but when you take too much of the permissible and you take too much of the dunya eventually it it consumes you and it becomes the only thing that you think about so a Muslim just you know the dunya many people described it like the carcass of a dead animal when you are hungry in the desert and you come across a carcass of a dead animal you don't cut off the biggest joint and say right that's it I'm gonna have a nice big barbecue today of this dead carcass this dead pig I'm going to roast it and I'm gonna have pork chops and I'm gonna have bacon and you just take from it what you need to stay alive and that is what you should do with the dunya you take from it what you need and Allah has not made it haram alhamdulillah Allah has made made flexibility in it if you want to take a little bit more than what you need it's okay the best way is to take only what you need and if you want to take a little more than what you need it's okay as long as you don't go to excess so somebody says okay what's the minimum I need to get me to work okay I need to spend like 10,000 dirhams on a car it's a minimum I need just to, it will drive me to work without without exploding or crashing or something like that this is the minimum but another person says I want to spend 50,000 on a car because I want a car that's more comfortable and I fit my family in it and I take them from place to place and it's easier for me Allah's not made it haram somebody wants to spend 5 million dirhams on a car then we're talking about israf now, yani, now you're spending israf yani there's, you're just wasting money but somebody wants a nice car you know they want a nice a comfortable car there's nothing Allah has not made it haram but as more as you can just take what you need the better it is for you try to take from the dunya what you need to help you in the deen and you don't need to take any more than more than that go through a couple more because we had some questions this one is a bit general are Muslims allow are, are Muslims I'll try that one again are women allowed to visit the graves of grandparents and parents etc uh, the scholars differed over the women visiting the graves because of a hadith in which the Prophet said and in another wording the first wording says may Allah curse the women who visit the graves and the second wording says may Allah curse the women who frequently visit the graves so those who took the first wording they said this means a woman should never visit a grave and the ones who said the second wording they said this means women should not go there often but if they go from time to time it doesn't hurt wallahi what our shuyukh used to tell us is they used to prefer the first wording and they used to tell us that it's not befitting for a woman she doesn't need to go to the grave she doesn't need to go to the grave it's better that she makes dua for them she can give sadaqah on their behalf she can perform hajj and umrah on their behalf she doesn't need to go to their grave and she's not any nearer to them when she goes to their grave than when she makes dua for them at home because ultimately you cannot make the dead here you don't make the dead here so when you go to them it's not like oh you know my dad can hear me dad I just want you to know how I am like he cannot hear you he is in his life for good or for bad he is in that life so better you go home and make dua for him so why do the men go to visit the graves because it reminds you of death but as for the woman 
the danger is that she will cry or she will slap her cheeks or rip her clothes or she will get angry with Allah or she will say something about Qadr and that doesn't mean every woman will do that but many women do it and while many women do it Allah Azza wa Jal said okay forbidden for for all of them and I think this is the safer opinion even though many of the scholars even among the companions were those who said that it's acceptable for the women to to visit the graves uh, occasionally if they don't cry and they don't rip their clothing and they don't wail and so on but ultimately I, mean, I think with something like the curse of Allah it is definitely better to be safe okay next one is it obligatory to read Surah Al-Fatiha when the Imam is reading aloud uh, I'm dealing with this in Bulugh Al-Maram if you want more detail the short answer is I believe that it's the right thing to do is to read Al-Fatiha in every circumstance when the Imam is reading aloud and when the Imam is reading quietly if you want more detail on the Dalil the Ikhtilaf who said what and why, you can come to the Bulugh Al-Maram class on Wednesdays or you can catch it on, on, uh, on video. We're just getting to the reciting of Fatiha behind the Imam soon. And maybe after one or two weeks or and in this next couple of weeks, so you can catch it then. If somebody doesn't read with proper Tajweed and makes major mistakes and wants to correct it, and then they make ruqya and they blow in water, will it be shifa? Mistakes in the Qur'an are of two types. Mistakes which are, how should we say? Serious mistakes that change the meaning of the word. There are some people who don't know tajweed, okay? So they might read like for example, instead of reading ar-Rahman ar-Rahim, they might read ar-Rahman or Ar-Rahman, Ar-Rahim and they don't know how to make one to make long and which one to make short or there are some people who don't make Ghunna for example uh, they don't make Ghunna properly or whatever or they don't know the rules of Mim Sakin and Noon Sakina they don't know the proper rules this is, this is, is not uh, it does not take away from the meaning of the Quran it's a mistake but it doesn't take away from the meaning of the Quran the worst mistakes are those where they change the meaning. So they change a dad to be a dal and it changes the meaning. Or a sad to be a seen and it changes the meaning. In this case, there are two types of people. Those who are trying to correct it and making their best effort. And those who are deliberately negligent. As for those who are deliberately negligent, we fear that they are putting their prayer and their ruqya and everything else at risk. Because they are deliberately not, they are not trying to correct it. Yani they have big mistakes in pronunciation and they're not care, they don't care. This person, I fear for them. As for the one who has big mistakes and they're changing the meaning, but they're trying very hard, then inshallah this person will be accepted what they blow in, what they read upon, and their salah, as long as they're trying their best to correct their recitation as, as much as possible. Will the person who knows he's reading Quran with mistakes, sinning, or go out of the fold of Islam? Inshallah we've explained that. We've explained that issue. So we've said that it doesn't take you out of the fold of Islam. But your prayer could be invalid if you're making serious mistakes in pronunciation. Not tajweed, I mean like you're, you're changing the meaning of the Quran. And you're not trying to correct it. Like no, you're not interested in correcting it or learning or trying or practicing. Then this can make your salah invalid or lose the reward of the prayer. Uh, two more I have. No, that's okay. That's another question for Friday morning. Okay, this is kind of a question that was related to Friday morning, but I might just answer it now because it's kind of relevant. We can still talk about it. 
We talked in the morning about not making tafsir from your intellect. This morning, those of you who came, we spoke about not making tafsir from your intellect. Like it's haram for you to just like look at the ayah and say, oh, I think the ayah means this. I think the ayah means this. So he said, I go to a class where we learn word for word translation. Um, and then we have reflections on the ayah we learnt. Is it wrong? We say what we think about the ayah. The reality is this is one of two, two situations. If it's being done with a teacher who knows the tafsir of the Qur'an, then there's no harm in a person saying, I feel that the ayah means this, or I feel that the ayah means this. And then the teacher says, okay, maybe this one, I agree with you, this one, I, I'm not sure, this one we need to work on a bit. And the teacher is, is observing and correcting the process. Then this is okay. As for people just sitting in a group, where everyone just says what they think about the Qur'an without reference to, a, to tafsir, then this is not appropriate. And what we advise the person to do is the next time you do the ayah in the class, if this is the case, it's just people sitting saying what they feel, instead of saying what you feel, quote a Sa'di, quote Ibn Kathir, quote uh, a Shaykh Ibn for example, quote what they said. And instead of saying, oh, you know, I feel the ayah means this, say, well, you know, for my reflection today, I brought you the quote of Al-Imam Al-Sa'di. And he said, this ayah means this and this and this and this. And this will, inshallah, encourage people that we should not make tafsir from our intellect. But where it's okay is if the teacher says, okay, who has a benefit from the ayah for me? And one person says, I think the ayah means this. And the teacher then says, you're right. Or the teacher then says, no, I think that I'm not quite sure where you, where you took that one from. I think you might want to go back and check that. Then that's okay, inshallah, because the teacher is correcting. But as for people just sitting together and each one just says, I believe the ayah means this and I believe the ayah means that, then this is haram, as Sheikh Rislam Taymiyyah said. Because it's making tafsir from your mind and not making tafsir from the Quran or from the Sunnah or from the companions or from the tabi'een or from the language or from anything. It's just making sunnah, for, making tafsir from your, from your intellect. So hopefully that answered that question. Uh, and that mostly finishes up my list that I had online that I didn't answer this morning. So inshallah we'll stop there and the brothers inshallah will catch me on the way out. And Allah Azza wa knows best. Wa salatu salam ala Muhammad wa ala alihi wa sahbihi ajma'in.